And welcome back, everyone, to another edition of Going for Two, presented by our good friends at Home Field Apparel. I am your host. I'm the publisher of the Extra Points newsletter. My name is Matt Brown. I'm joined by my colleague, Brian Fisher. After um, one of the craziest, most exciting college football Saturdays, certainly not of just this season, but probably the last several seasons. Uh, Brian, I don't know about you. I don't think it's just because I'm freezing and because I've been fighting off a, a touch of the crud. I'm still struggling to get back all of my voice, and I didn't even go to any of those games. There was a lot, there's a lot of yelling in Casa de Brown. I, 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 I mean, you were you were on site for a couple of these things. There, are you able to talk? Yeah, no, I, I'm not uh, any. Uh, it, it's quiet in the press box. Let me tell you, we I was at uh, the USC Utah game uh, where there's one of the upsets uh, this weekend. A fun game, you know. It kind of looked like USC was going to run away with it very early on, and then uh, lo and behold, Utah comes back and, and wins it on a, on a two point conversion and then a defensive stop. So some wild things, some some definitely Pac-12 ref moments uh, in in that game as well. But uh, yeah. it was fun being in the press box. You know, I, I made it made it a point to kind of get there in time to watch the end of uh, Alabama Tennessee, and and boy howdy, was was I lucky to do that. Because that was that was a fun one. That was a quite the quite the scene there in Knoxville. I don't usually watch snap to snap an entire game. I'm, I'm usually kind of skipping around a little bit. As I, I, you know, to, to as an example, uh, I started uh, in the evening shift with the USC Utah game and turned it off uh, like into the midway through the second quarter. I came back in the fourth, but at, at the beginning, I was like, it looks like USC is just going to kick Utah's ass. Um, their offense is, is playing on another level. Utah can't really run the ball very well. Okay, we're, we'll still have to do other things. Tennessee, Alabama was there snap to snap. And uh, which, you know, perfect for somebody that didn't have a rooting interest in it. It was a delightful football game. It was delightful because it was stupid uh, in the way that you had weird, unforced errors and uncharacteristic sloppiness from Alabama, although that's, I guess, kind of characteristic this year. You had a couple of holy crap plays. You had catharsis for a tormented fan base um all kinds of emotion it, w- it was great i i uh I, that that is a game that i don't do this very often but like if it was replaying on wednesday evening on the sec network or something or during the day when i'm working i'd watch it again or i'd 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 I'd, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd speed it up a little bit um it's funny like i am not going to be able to sit here and say like okay tennessee's now going to win the national championship like i don't know maybe like what do i know but it, it has been funny that like the kind of feels like 98 thing has been a meme with Tennessee Twitter, just like uh, Texas is back is a meme with everybody else as a Twitter account that follows college football. But my, my, my evil doppelganger, not my evil doppelganger, my doppelganger, the other Matt Brown shared something that I thought we, we, was worth talking about here for, for a minute. Do you, I have the, the top 25 from the end of the 1998 season pulled up here. Do you, were, were you, were you old enough? You were watching college football. Do you the, remember the end, though? That, or are, you, are you talking about the end of the '98 season? Because I, I mean, that was that was definitely a fun time to be a college football fan. It seems like there, of, of all the seasons, there was a whole lot the heck that went into that one. But but I'll, I'll let you continue there. Uh, well, I have the end, and I have maybe the less end. You know, I have it week by week pulled up, and this is the this is probably the first season that I like intimately remember many of the details. You know, I, I, I was born in 87. I, rem- I, I remember a couple of games from like 96 and 97. I, I was, I watched them. Um, this was like the first year that I think I remember being a fan. And of course, Tennessee wins, you know, fin- finish, finishes number one here. That's not the only similarity though, between what what the, the, the polls near the end of the season looked like. Like I'm pulling this up here, looking at it for late October. 
from where we are now. And do you know who else would have been undefeated in 98 that is undefeated now, but usually isn't? Uh, now, now I'm completely thrown for, I, I guess UCLA would, would be the, the one answer that I would have is, yeah. uh, yeah. So, uh, I, I think uh, who's, the, God, who's, who's the quarterback for that team. I, I was not a, a purveyor of West coast football back in those days, uh, being from Texas, although it was fun to watch. Uh, I was, I did, uh, go to, go to a couple of Texas A&M games, uh, including the one where Ricky Williams set the, uh, basically won the Heisman trophy, uh, yep. there as well at the end of the year. So, um, that, that was a fun time, but yeah, it been Drew Bennett. I, uh, if Wikipedia serves me right, what and Bob Toledo was your was your UCLA head coach. Yep, the Bruins were undefeated around this time, around '98. They were actually number two, just ahead of Tennessee. And of course, uh, my Ohio State Buckeyes. The, this was um, John Cooper's best team, uh, the one that actually that actually did beat Michigan and would have won it all if it wasn't for the fact that they had to play Nick Saban uh, later in the year. We don't have to talk about that. That deeply traumatic. Uh, again, this 98 team of, because, uh, because this is what really sticks out in, in my mind was because of the, the hurricane that hit Miami that year, they were going to play Miami at the beginning of the year. And then they had it moved towards the end of the year. And uh, they ended up playing them in December. And uh, that was the, the, the Bruins lone loss. So that actually sent them to the Rose Bowl. That was the last time they made the Rose Bowl back in 98 uh, was this team. And then, um, yeah, I mean, that was, uh, God, it just, uh, the memories come flowing back. And so, yeah. So, so that, that, you know, so there's that one, but then you look through here, right. And, um, Kansas state was in the top five. Yeah. Oh, this, yeah. Is, this, this is a, Mike, uh, that was a fun team. The Kansas state team. It was super fun. Right. They're, and, and they're good. Um, Georgia is, you know, it's, is, is still in the top 10, uh, Tulane it, it would finish this year. on I think they finished undefeated, right? Yep. Like, yeah. yeah. And uh, um, Rich Rodriguez was the, uh, the OC of that team, which is coordinator, uh, the guy that badly wanted the job afterwards, right. Didn't, didn't end up getting it. But and, and uh, here, here's a good Tulane question. Do you remember who the AD for, for Tulane in 98 was the AD? Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't Mac Brown. Was it? No, no, it was not Mac Brown. Who, I don't know who, who was it? I believe that was Sandy Barber. Oh, I didn't know Sandy Barber was that Tulane. Matt, Matt Brown was the two was the AD of Tulane at one point, right? When he was also coaching football there. I maybe. I don't. I, I was. Well, I let's was, let's look this up. I was eleven. And, well, you're looking at a very very scintillating podcasting radio. Oh, right? because uh, yeah. Tommy Tommy Bowden was the 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 coach. I knew I knew that. Uh, um, Rich Rodriguez, yeah, yeah, yeah. Syracuse was good. Um, it's not a one to one thing here because, of course, Alabama is not ranked. Um, and uh, Texas A&M was really good. Nebraska was really good. Colorado was really good. Okay, you can't you can't have everything, but but there the the whole smells like '98 thing might have something to it. The the one one of the early years in a more modernizing college football. Um, some of the teams that really haven't been that good since are enjoying at least at least very strong beginnings of the season. I and which which makes this fun, like it. it this has been a weird year, I think, so far, in that the teams that are likely to compete for national championship, the teams that are in, pl- in playoff contention at this point, are mostly the same teams that they always are. Clemson's still undefeated. We're going to have probably either Ohio State or Michigan. Alabama still has a great chance. Georgia's still very much in the mix, right? It's a similar configuration. You have Tennessee, which is new. You have UC, uh, USC, who is, who is new. But Illinois is like – Awesome for uh, two dark horse Heisman contender there with I, Illinois too. I, I, yeah, I, I'm wearing an Heisman, Illinois, Illinois shirt here. Yeah, right, right now Tulane's great. Kansas State is great. Uh, Oklahoma is not great. Um, 
and, yeah, and, and that, that, that might be the one thing that sticks out is, is Oklahoma is not 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 great. You know, anytime we have the uh, the comparison, although they, they won this this past week, uh, you know, against Kansas, uh, the, the, all the comparisons to the John Blake era can can maybe tail off for another week or two with, with yeah, Oklahoma. Yeah. And, and and to kind of put a bow on how weird this has been so far, you could say with a straight face, Oklahoma struggling mightily, but beats Kansas, which is an important milestone for the program. Um, you would think that that would go without saying. It was, it was still, you know, it wasn't a bad game. You know, Kansas uh, is obviously hurt, but th- they're probably going to make a bowl game too. And and they've been uh, garbage for. I mean, we, we might have Indiana, Duke, and Kansas all in bowl bowl games the same year. It, it is possible. This is still fun. Um, I want to talk about something that happened off the field with the Tennessee-Alabama game real quick because, you know, we're, we're recording this late on a Tuesday evening, and the news cycle has shifted a little bit away from what happened on the field. Brian's columns, I think, would be a better resource for, for redigesting that than anything I'm going to say here. But, Brian, you, 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 you watched the end of this here. What happened after Tennessee beat Alabama? That would be one of uh, three big time field stormings and, and, and just a sea of orange descending upon yeah. Yellen, which was it, it was hundreds quite, of thousands you know, of people. Bananas. I, I mean, I I don't think we've really gotten uh, I, I guess we've gotten one uh, big house uh, field storming. But like the, the hundred thousand seat uh, stadiums, we, we don't tend to get. Um, you know, a whole heck of a lot of, of field stormings from from those yeah, that are that are over the hundred k mark, and obviously, Nayland, it, 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 it's a special place, a, a unique place in college football, and to see all those those Walls fans who are the, the pent up frustration, you could just kind of see coursing out of them from from fifteen years, um, you know, of, of losing the third Saturday in October, yeah, and it, it was quite the scene, and, and it was it was interesting too because you know usually when 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 a lot of the t- times that with the new goalposts, which we're going to get into that, that's what you're yeah. referring to, I, I know that, but usually when you see that. Uh, the, the field storming is coming. You'll see the new goalposts. They'll start folding down. They'll have the, the automatic ones. You know, yeah. for, for the newer stadiums. That was not the case there at Tennessee. They they were they were hacksawing them off right there. Um, I, honestly, I hadn't I hadn't really considered what you were just talking about. But like, I, I don't think I can remember that many Ohio State field stormings off the top of my head. It doesn't happen that often in Penn State. I assume you know if, if Penn State beats Ohio State in Happy Valley, that, that there might be a field storm. Yeah, I'm trying to think of 2016 if they field, stormed the field there. Uh, I know that was a night game, but uh, me- memory escapes yeah. me on that one. But you know, just in terms of the there, you know, 100,000 mm-hmm. stadiums. That typically those those teams are, are doing pretty well, and uh, you just do not end up getting <clears> the, <throat> the amount of upsets that you, you typically do. Which yeah, which is a good point. So of course, yes, the Tennessee fans stormed the field. You could see the smoke from all the cigars. You know, going up, it's it's a be- it's a beautiful visual, and then of course they they tear down the goalpost. Um, they take the the fans take the goalpost to various bars. I I, I want to say one of them, part of one of them, is living in fraternity houses right now, and then they baptize the rest of it in the river, which is no small feat because these things are are freaking heavy. Like you can see, like this little like procession of people carrying this big old thing. Wonderful, right? And then the day after, you get you see an email from the University of Tennessee that says, "Hey, you know, this was a beautiful moment." I'm paraphrasing here, right? Beautiful moment. Remember when you tore down the goalpost after beating Alabama? Turns out you need goalposts to play another game. Can you please help donate money to help pay for new goalposts? And the fundraising email set a goal of $150,000, a goal which I understand they have met comfortably uh, as as of this recording here on on Tuesday. And uh, the thing about that is, Brian, is I, I checked into this and I, I asked around and talked to some people on the Tennessee beat and I looked around to see uh, other stories. You know, this similar thing happened when Ole Miss beat Alabama and when a couple other big SEC upsets. Goalposts don't cost one hundred fifty thousand dollars. 
Goalposts cost with labor, with inflation, around 25,000. It's about 11 to 12, 13 you know, K per goalpost. So that's a big inflation. Even if you add in the $100,000 fine, uh, that's 150 is clearly too much. Furthermore, Tennessee already had a, a backup set of goalposts. Most, I, I think most schools do. And especially if you're going up at an opponent where you think you might have a chance, you might take precautions, preliminary precautions, right? So they didn't need that. And so here, here's the question, because I, I have some members in my family, like not my wife, but like other members of our family that have worked in fundraising before in, in other industries. And the industry people that I saw on Twitter and, 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 and in college AD and other places were kind of split. Because on one hand, of course, you should try to fundraise off of a, a gigantic event like this to ask Tennessee fans to donate, I don't know, what would they score? 52 points that win the game? Donate 52 bucks for every point you, you score against Alabama. Wonderful. No one's going to complain about that. It would you, you, of course, should do that, right? Um, so and and maybe the email was a joke. On the other hand, it's not totally honest. Like you don't need the money to replace that. For, forget the people tweeting, Tennessee has an endowment of 11 gajillion dollars. Like, who the fuck cares? Like that, that's the, as if that's a checking account that they can go withdraw. But they do have a really big athletic budget. They are making $55 million from TV, and they bought goalposts ahead of time. So I know you didn't need the money. Am I a humorless troll that's making too much of something that clearly doesn't matter, or is this a little bit in bad taste? Um, I, I think this is a, a creative it's okay. way to, it's okay. to fundraise. You know, like, I mean, we see this all the time when, when there are the field storms, when there are the fines, you'll, you'll see a lot of schools, uh, you know, kind of put out, uh, maybe not necessarily in, in this manner in terms of, uh, having the kind of GoFundMe type of, of, of way. But, you know, when they'll, they'll hit up donors, like right after the, the sure. fact, you know, this is when development officers are getting paid the big bucks is when they go after those big fishes and say, Hey, we just got fined 50 grand. Hey, do, do you mind contributing to, to this? And, you know, typically they, they will get a very receptive, uh, welcome and, and, and a nice check cut from some of their mega boosters. But I think in this case, it actually was kind of a cool thing for the athletic department to do to kind of generate interest in terms of uh, kind of your, your typical fans, the, the ones that are not contributing for a thousand, you know, a thousand dollars for a you know, personal seat license or something like that. Uh, you know, I, I think that more than anything is, is kind of what this GoFundMe campaign was designed to do was, was kind of, you know, capture that euphoria uh, of, of the fan base. I, I read their most, um, most requested donation that amount, I guess was, was 16, which is kind of the year, uh, since they last beat to Alabama. So like you kind of understood that, uh, that this was a thing that, you know, for, for small amounts, um, you know, for, for fans that were maybe in the stadium that, uh, you know, are, are not mega boosters or anything like that, you yeah. know, get them, get them contributing, contributing to the school. Now you have some da data on them as well. You can kind of uh, hit them back up. Uh, maybe, maybe if there is a, a possible trip uh, there to Atlanta uh, down the road, if they end up beating Georgia uh, in, in a couple of weeks. So I, I, I get it from, from a, an athletic department's perspective, but yeah, I, I think it's, it is kind of funny, you know, just given the, the amount of inordinate sums that uh, are already coming into a place like Tennessee. I, I know Danny White does not need 150 K, but you know what, when, when you can raise 150 K in like three or four days, that that's, that, uh, that shows up uh, pretty nicely on the balance sheet at the end of the year. I, I know that Tennessee has a very aggressive and ambit ambitious facilities master plan, right? Whether that's big changes to the baseball and softball complexes and other renovations you wanted to do the stadium. And of course you have one of the high most high dollar NIL operations out there. I don't, don't, I'm not going to, I will never criticize anybody for just raising money off that kind of thing. It's possible just because I am wired in a way where I have to read all of these dumb FRS reports that I'm like, well, actually, uh, even it, it, it's possible the problem is me.
So I'm glad you. I'm glad. Look, I'm glad you all got to money. I'm glad you all get to beat Alabama. Um, I would prefer me personally to a little bit more honest, but who cares what I think? The important thing, I guess, the important thing is that they got the money. You know who will always tell the truth though about how much something actually costs? Our good friends at Home Field Apparel, of course, right? They're not going to tell you that they need money to take karate lessons, to to fight the ninjas that kidnapped their family. They're not going to be the ones to tell you that shirts actually cost $300 and and, and spend the rest on markups to funnel to the secret Indiana uh, NIL booster slush fund. At least, not that I know of. Um, they'll tell you that the shirt costs X amount of dollars and the, and the comfortable sweatpants and the comfortable hoodie. And they're great shirts. Homefield makes extremely comfortable, unique shirts. I am wearing my Illinois shirt right now. I'm wearing it under a jacket because my basement office is not insulated quite as well as I thought it would, and it's a little bit chilly in Chicago this evening. Uh, Brian, I think you're wearing – yeah, we got the strut of destiny. Did we- it's basketball season. You know, we just had the AP poll come out. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling the hoops love as well. I know it was a crazy day in college football, but uh, goodness, I, I'm feeling like the, the, the basketball is also right around the corner. Uh, to be fair, though, I, I, I was totally looking f- to continue on our 98 theme for my Tulane shirt, but uh, I guess it's in the, in the wash right now because I did not end up seeing it. Or else I would have worn, worn it for the show to, uh, to continue our 98 theme. I want to, I'm looking up right now to see what St. Peter's record was in 1998, um, and we'll get to that here in a second when I finish the ad read because I want to focus on making sure you can look. Knows. You can look that up while because I'm just scrolling the, the whole Tennessee page of okay. uh, Home Field Apparel because that stuff is you riff uh, legit, on that. certainly legit. Uh, you know, back in the day uh, when when they first released it, but that, I believe they had a couple new updated designs. But uh, who, who who doesn't love a, a, a nice orange T-shirt with Smokey on it? Like uh, especially when you can kind of get a discount count on it using our promo code extra points and uh not 15 percent off that order uh, i mean like who, who doesn't do want who doesn't like uh smoky the dog it's a good dog it's it's a good dog um and they and, they even have the uh the 98 uh, undefeated national champs t-shirt so you know let's let's continue with the uh party liking it it's it's 1998 here on the show <laughs> Um, in case you were wondering, which I'm, I'm sure you all were here, um, 90, the 98 season was a little bit difficult for our friends, the St. Peter Peacocks. Uh, they finished dead last in the MAC that season with a 4-14 and 14 conference record uh, and finished 8-19 on the year. Not Roger Blind's best season. Um, big year for a lot of other people, though, and the shirt still slaps because Peacocks is still a funny name. They're still a funny story, um, which is what Homefield specializes in. So when you go buy your stuff, whether you want to whether you want to celebrate UCLA, Homefield School, Tennessee, Homefield School, Ohio State, Homefield School, um, or other people that were good at sports in 1998, uh, use promo code Extra Points to save 15 percent off that order. So you can save a little bit of money. Um, we've had a little bit of inflation. Since '98, so you want to, <laughs> yeah. right? You want to, you want to, you want to be able to to, to save save that money. You can do that with that promo code. Get the uh, the most comfortable, the most unique, the coolest collegiate licensed apparel, uh, and show all of the other dads just how cool you are with with the uh, with the, with these great shirts. This is what I do to show dominance at the gym. I, I like it. I'm trying to think. Um, now, speaking of the the coach of uh, of uh, the. Um, the team right now because he's now at uh, Shaheen Holloway's now at Seton Hall. I saw him at the uh, Big East Media Days, uh, yeah. which, which also took place this week uh, for, mm-hmm. for basketball. I'm trying to think what he was doing in '98 if he was actually on a team. I guess he was 2001 Seton Hall graduate, so he he might. Uh, I don't want to think about it. Into- 
Yeah, I don't think he's just gotten much. into school or, or a freshman. So that's, that's he's, how, he's that's not how that much older than us. Yeah. Um, and in, 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 in uh, I'm trying to the national champion, of course, in the 97 98 season was Kentucky. Do you remember who the kid, the AP player of the year was that year? Uh, let's see, 97 98. Yeah, uh, I'll give you a hint. Um, he uh, played at North Carolina and had a very successful professional basketball career. That, uh, Successful basketball career. Yeah, um, he was great. Played for, uh, played, played for my beloved Cleveland Cavaliers for a minute. Uh, Antoine Jameson. That's right. It was it was Antoine Jameson. Your Final Four: Kentucky, UNC, Stanford. Kids, people forget that Stanford used to be good at sports <laughs> uh, that that people watch. Uh, and Utah. Uh, your preseason number one was Arizona. So thanks for tuning in to let's remember some guys from 1998. Uh, our, our new podcast within a podcast here. <laughs> I, I, feel like, I feel like that is uh, something that we're going to have to expand our Friday shows. It's just that uh, we'll, we'll turn it into remember this year in uh, that honestly, we'll start doing our Friday shows. Honestly, I think that's not a bad idea. I mean, like you guys have seen the tweets about like men will just sit around and name random sports guys instead of going to therapy and just have the best time. But you know what? Sitting here thinking about Antoine Jameson, sitting there th- 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 thinking about some of these very early college basketball seasons i'm getting the serotonin pumping again if, if you are a good. listener and you want to just kind of hear us and, and potential guests riff on old teams and old years in college athletics please please let us know uh, when we release this episode and uh, maybe we'll, we'll start doing that on fridays yeah we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll pick a year i i am i am glad you mentioned right the the college basketball there's a lot of the um other major media day events that are popping up. I, th- I thought, you know, with biggies today, I thought Val Ackerman had some, you, some, some actually like interesting, important you know insights to tease away. That would be relevant. I think to this particular audience, I, one of them that I, I saw was like, Hey, you know, we're not really actively looking at expanding at this moment. If we do, that might be something closer to when our television deal expires just in a couple of years, but they confirm it. They had a few informal conversations. I don't think you need to be Wikipedia Brown to, make an educated guess about who some of those schools might be because there's only a handful of schools that uh, uh, either fit the current biggies footprint, your Dayton's or your St. Louis's, or just happen to be elite basketball programs that uh, share a Catholic identity like a Gonzaga. Uh, although we did learn that Gonzaga is in fact very far away from everybody else. Um, and I, I thought, I thought what she was saying here about, not um, necessarily completely embracing the idea of NCAA tournament expansion, but I think being a little bit more thoughtful about it, like, no, I'm, I'm interested in studying it, but there are significant things we have to consider. And based on the public remarks from a few very important people, I think in the college basketball world, I would not put many money on there being this, this thing expanding like 90 teams or something. If it's going up, I think it's going to be relatively manageable right now. If, if 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 the Jim Phillips and the Val Ackermans and some of these mid-major leaders aren't saying aren't pounding the table to move up to 90, I don't really know who is, right? Well, I always thought 90 was was a little bit of a stretch, um, you know, just in terms of the current contract and, and everything that kind of goes on. Maybe it, maybe that's something that we kind of explore more towards the 2030s, um, yeah. you know, when when uh, those those media rights deals come up. But I think more incremental 
you know, expansion of, of the tournament to where you're talking, uh, you know, probably in the, in the seventies in terms of teams, you know, just a, just a few more teams. And, and right. I think that's probably going to be the case for, for a lot of these, um, you know, sports as, as we kind of talked about in the last couple of weeks on this, this yeah. podcast about, hey, it might be a couple extra teams. And, and, you know, Greg Sankey has, has said some stuff on this uh, on the record as well uh, recently. So I, I think the commissioners and, and everybody are certainly laying the groundwork for, for this to end up happening and, and kind of probably being the big takeaway uh, coming out of uh, next week's uh, meetings. Um, speaking of expanding things and yeah, and speaking of meetings, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on with those meetings? Cause that's a world that you're much more connected in than I am. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I think, uh, by the time, uh, this, this listen, we'll probably have uh, about a week away from, uh, some, some big meetings from, from the NCA. Uh, a lot of, a lot of folks heading to Indianapolis for really in-person meetings to, uh, discuss a lot of the, the transformation committee concepts that are going to be coming out about changing nature of division one, there'll be a board meeting at the end of the month. Uh, really, I think that there's also some some big stuff coming out of Dallas on Thursday uh, with the uh, CFP meeting as well. There's a, a big commissioner's uh, junket there. Uh, I think they, I, I want to say somebody said that they're, they're, they're planning for like eight or nine hours uh, there by, by, by an airport hotel in DFW to, to meet and kind of go over college football playoff expansion. I think we're, we're going to get some sort of announcement, knock on wood in terms of kind of go, no go about uh, some, some early playoff expansion. They're kind of working through a lot of the issues. You know, we, we might not have every granular detail, but I, I think we might have a, an indication at least if this is going to be possible for say 2023 or 2024. So uh, the big, big news, I, I think coming on, on Thursday and then even bigger kind of ground shaking news, um, maybe not ground shaking, but in terms of the, the, the impact, I guess, uh, across the NCAA landscape will, will happen the, the week following. So very, very active weekend for, for stuff and uh, good, for, good for podcasts like ours. Gun to your head right now. Do you think that it is more likely that the college football playoff will expand earlier with ESPN than controlling all of the rights to that television inventory? Or do you think it'll wait till the end of the deal? Well, that that's kind of be going to be one of the key questions that uh, needs to kind of be decided. And and I think it's uh, you, again, you kind of see some of the breadcrumbs. Jimmy Pataro, the the ESPN president, has uh, kind of said, you know, what we're we're open to not only playoff expansion and being a willing partner, but but even potentially sharing some of those semifinal games. Potentially even including uh, my my other employer in, in Fox Sports um, would would definitely be interested in in a few of those college football playoff uh, games, especially on campus and uh, some of the semifinals and whatnot. How that actually ends up shaking out, who knows? I think one of the big things that a lot of the commissioners are looking at a lot of the ADs have expressed a concern about is just kind of the calendar and, and how it all kind of fits into the actual uh, football calendar when these games are going to be played ultimately how how you're going to kind of compete against the NFL in, in that time of year when they are also playing on Saturdays in December you're, you already saw the announcement uh, that happened on uh, I believe Tuesday morning regarding the NFL playing a Black Friday game that's yep. going to be streamed on Amazon so that's another thing that uh, college leaders are going to be uh, kind of looking at part of the NCAA reforms as well has kind of been surrounding the, the calendar itself and, and what might changes might happen to say dead periods in, in football and recruiting and all that. So it all is kind of tied in together. And, and I, I keep saying that I'm going to have to expand my timeline, but it kind of feels like there's so much change going on in, in the last like two years. Well, it's it's going to continue. And, and this could, this could be a really big month for, for a lot of topics, especially in college football playoff expansion and, and later in terms of the NCAA and, and everything going on there. I was, I've been surprised. Like I don't, the people that I talk to the most are generally not as wired in on this exact topic. But one thing that has come up that I wasn't really expecting was some actual pushback about the idea of doing all of these, at least the first one ground games on campus. And it, 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 it pushback that wasn't just from bowl executive type people. And I'm not, I, I'm not saying that this isn't going to happen, but, but people saying, you know, we're a little worried about, 
hotel space. We're a little bit worried about some of the other things that we have going on on campus, particularly if we have to play some of these playoff games during the week. Um, so we don't compete with the NFL. Like we, we might have a first round playoff game on like a Wednesday, potentially like what that does if class is still going on or the disruption, particularly if that game is held in a place like state college where, you know, logistics and being able to prepare for a huge event can be difficult. And I, I listen to this and think, yeah, but you already do that seven times a year anyway. Like there's, there's, it's not like you're hosting the Olympics for, and having never done a big event before. And boy, there sure seems to be a lot of fan demand for this kind of thing, particularly, and you know, if that's such a hot ticket, you'd think the school would want it because you can kind of lure that playoff game ticket to potential donors. So I don't, I don't know what this is going to look like when it's all said and done. I I was personally a little surprised to hear people, more people than I was expecting saying, maybe we don't do this on campus. And even if we're allowed to do it on campus, maybe we don't do it on campus. Maybe we, we go play somewhere an hour away. That's in a dome rather than than play the home game in in Wisconsin or something like these you know, I, I, I I've heard a little bit of that you know yeah. I, I think that when I talk with a couple ads you know like they, they've you know kind of expressed you know like I, I guess maybe not concern but more interest in like what's what's your ticket ticket allocation going to be like because you know typically when, when you do go to one of those dumb games yeah. you, you have a couple thousand seats but but are you gonna get like 80 thousand or 80 percent of, of your ticket you know allocation like you kind of normally do you know what, what's the visiting team going to get in terms of when they go into one of these venues they're, they're going to want to bring a, a whole bunch of fans as well it's not going to be 50 50 nobody expects that or, or even kind of wants that you you want to be rewarded to have that home game on campus but yeah you know, like what, what, what is the ultimate split going to be? Because you, you're going to have corporate partners that want to be, you know, going to a lot of these games. You're, you're going to have, um, you know, kind of the CFP wanting to take a lot of the share and, and just frankly talking with, you know, conference office staff and all that who have to put on football games, typically at short notice and in terms yeah. of the championship games when they're home hosted, it's, it's a big challenge. You got to have a plan basically for, for a lot of these teams. Now, uh, do, do I expect, you know, that the CFP, you know, in, in its current form, you know, they've, certainly run the title game that they, they understand how to, how to pull off these games. But a lot of the time that they're, they're leaning on local staff, you know, in terms of, you know, Hey, uh, we, we need this from the home host committee. And, and obviously a lot of these stadiums are NFL stadiums. They know how to do these events and, you know, the, the bowls, you know, where the Fiesta bowls, any of the semifinal bowls, they have a great working relationship and they, they do most of the work, especially locally. Now that you're talking about actually home hosting on on a lot of these sites, um, you know, you're talking about not only expanding that that CFP staff quite a bit there in Dallas, but you know they they've got to have you know a, a lot of plans, a lot of campus site visits, you know, with a lot of things ready to go, and a lot of it on short notice too, because you know just from the date regular season is going to conclude and those twelve teams are selected to the actual first round of games. It, it, it could be a little bit tough to pull off. And I think that's where some of the concerns are at least kind of uh, be, being uh, put out there. And I, I think you can overcome that a lot, but at the, at the end of the day, yeah, I, I can totally understand why somebody's like, <clears throat> you know what, maybe, maybe we should talk about this a little bit. The other thing too is, is yeah. related to that is not just your, your ticket <laughs> split percentage or whatever, but like, you know, how, how much money is, is going to be coming out of these games? What's that revenue yeah. split going to be? Um, you know, if, if they expand in the current uh, playoff contract, I was told that, uh, you know, I, I think the revenue percentages are, are kind of going to stay the same. Yeah, the overall money is, is going to change, but the split right now is going to stay the same. That's a big deal if you're the Big Ten and you're the SEC. And you know what? You got a couple extra mouths to feed in, in this playoff uh, uh, scenario. So that's another thing that I think is, is going to get discussed quite a bit here on, on Thursday. I 
this is kind of one of the kind of elephants in the room, right? Like, oh, I've talked about it on this show and talked about it on extra points before, and it's not a one to one thing, but like for the FCS playoffs, the dirty little secret is that most of those, the, the teams that host lose money on those events, even if they sell most of the tickets, because the NCAA takes most of it. And your ability to to sell activations or to do sponsorship stuff or or, or do anything else that, that would generate revenue there is is not controlled by you. And in, in an event here, it's obviously it's not the NCAA that's going to be running this college football playoff. But like you know, we I think we've already heard that like the signage and the 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 immediate like physical sponsorship stuff that's not going to be school controlled. That's controlled by the college football playoff and distributed elsewhere. If they control most of the tickets and if they control most of the activations and if they control everything else here, that changes the calculus a little bit. And I mean, and and not just how we the money gets distributed among. The various conferences or or who actually makes the tournament or not which is a gigantic question and one that the kind of dovetails at least a little bit into what the transformation committee works on because that helps shape the calculus of who moves up to fbs and who doesn't and, and what that looks like because right now we only have a, a an outline and there's no guarantee that what, what you know the money that went to conference usa exactly how will look like how it does in 2027 to, and, and you know if they don't make the playoff over a decade we don't maybe 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 it'll be the same but we don't completely know yet and then even the internal uh you know schools are, are discussing and the acc had their meetings this week as well uh, one of the topics was you know kind of discussing what the uh, potential you know playoff shares w- would look like and, and whether that's going to be distributed equally that's that's the same discussion that is also ongoing in the in the pac-12 and, and others so uh even internally in terms of how this money is, is kind of routed uh, around I, I think there's there's some you know interesting discussions going on and uh, i mean e- even going back to the home hosted model you, you look at some of the contracts you know you, you talk with some of the ad's you know, they, they might have an exclusivity deal with, say, a, a certain wireless carrier for signage around their stadium that, you know, kind of has said, hey, we, we, we need this, uh, you know, exclusive to this venue. Well, what if there's a conflict with a CFP sponsor that has paid a whole heck of a lot of more money uh, regarding some of that stuff? You know, do, are, are, are they going to be OK sitting sending a, a first round game out or are they going to be covered up? Uh, sometimes those, those conflicts are, are negotiated and um, kind of built into uh, some of the models that uh, do have home hosted um, conference title games, but um, you know some some others. Uh, there might be some sticky situations, and so I I think there there are a lot of details to be worked out. The biggest thing is really just the dates and 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 trying to sort that out first. And I think that's the biggest thing: sites and dates, and then you can kind of work around some of the 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 more minor issues, I guess you could say. But uh, it, it, it's a lot. There's there's no shortage of things, and I'm sure there will be people that will be upset. But the bottom line is getting more teams involved in, in the college football playoff. This is what I wrote for Fox Sports this week. Would have made weekends like this past one just so much more fun because it's it's yeah if you're an alabama game that game stings but you at least can have some solace and saying you know what we're, we're still in the running it, it, it's okay we, we can survive this you know and then you know tennessee i mean you can, not only do you have the euphoria from beating a you know a team like uh alabama and, and ending a, a rivalry streak like they, they were on but now you can say hey wait a minute we're, we're in the running now to, to possibly get one of these type of atmospheres back at Nayland in, in December to host some other playoff game now. So I think there's you know a lot more at stake, a, a lot more interest from a lot of schools. We we mentioned Tulane earlier. I mean that they that they they could be end up as the as the the uh the top one of the top six uh champions and end up making the playoff now. You know, not only are they in the top twenty five for, for the first time since ninety eight, but uh, they they got a chance to make the playoff in a in a twelve team version. They have no shot now with a four teamer of course no chance but you know what um you know there, there's a possibility down the road so it, it does kind of change the calculus across fbs and i'm going to be very curious to see what ultimately gets announced on thursday 
Uh, likewise. And and you, I think to kind of put the bow on all this here, will people be mad? Yeah, like no shit. It's college football. Every administrative thing makes somebody mad. You um, were just mad over over fundraising for gold. I was. I, I, was, that, I, I think that underscores don't, don't, uh, what, what happens. Yeah. Don't put it in the paper that I got mad. I have never been mad. Um, actually, I think it is funny. No, no, you're 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 right. That that will be part of it here. I, I for one will be glad once it's over. And then we can begin to to game plan and game theory and and think about how people respond to this new structure rather than kind of playing the will they won't they uncertainty world, um, which which will be great. And I intend to you know for, I, I apologize here for for spending so much time on the college football playoff now. I will say I think it's been kind of nice these first seven weeks where I don't really feel like that's been the dominant force on broadcast coverage. Um, or really, even the broad, the dominant force in a lot of like main ESPN or Fox or, or or CBS coverage. I'm sure that will change over the coming weeks, but that has it's, it's going to change in two weeks. When it's going to, I, 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 I'm sure it will. But I maybe maybe my memory is wrong. Uh, we we have no. I, I completely yeah. listen. I completely agree that the the focus on the the playoff this year. Yeah, it, it's kind of been in in the background. You you hear it mentioned on on a, on a game day or a big noon. Here's my final four. Here here's what you know. I I think it's going to look like, and and those segments are always going to exist from from start to finish in the season. But uh, in terms of the constant drumbeat, uh, during, especially during the broadcasts, you know, the, you're not seeing the the constant. Here's here's. XYZ analyst final four, you know, here, here's XYZ play by plays, um, you know, you know, uh, four champions like that, yeah. that does not, you know, kind of popping up as much as it used to. Um, it did seem like, you know, a couple of years ago, especially that that was just a constant drumbeat from, from the very beginning. You, you always hear, uh, you know, I was at back out in Pac-12 territory. I mean, you look, they were like, oh, well, they've been eliminated. You know, you're not hearing that same kind of conversation around a league like the Pac-12 Nowadays, part of it on-field reasons, sure, but uh, a lot of it just in terms of you know that has not been the focus, and, and it has been nice. You're right. Well, yeah, I, let let us try to continue to embrace that and continue it for as long as we are able. I'm looking forward to watching some more actual games this 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 weekend, and and talking about a couple more of those games with you here later this week. Um, we've also done some other, I think, interesting things throughout the throughout the ticker uh, family here. If you are not a full Extra Point subscriber. You missed my story yesterday where I talked to a gentleman who designs mascots. He designed uh, Harry the the dog, Harry, Harry Dog for, for University of Georgia. He's done mascots for Florida, for Delaware, for uh, a couple of other mid-major places. Uh, and explained to me not just some of the logistics, like how much these things cost, how to make them not smell, uh, you know, what, what practical considerations, where you put the vents so people can breathe, but also like philosophically what makes a good mascot. I thought was a kind of nice in the weeds sort of story, which 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 plays well with extra points. And we have a, a new head coach, you uh, that that Brian has put together, uh, one of our sister publications. I would also encourage you to take a look at uh, as as well. What else you got cooking in the hopper here for the end of the week? Uh, a couple things, you know, going on. I, I'm writing on Fox Sports about the big UCLA Oregon game. Uh, Chip Kelly going back to, to Eugene for for another time, but this time with a much better uh, Bruins team. Got a few things going on uh, in terms of our, our, our 
as you mentioned, the D1 ticker universe, a lot yeah. of things happening for, for both uh, December and January that uh, we're, we're going to be on site for. Uh, so getting a lot of things uh, surrounding those uh, kind of kind of ironed out. But uh, fun week, uh, fun week in college football and fun week for us. Yeah, I do encourage you, like you said, to check out Head Coach U. Had Blake Anderson on from, from Utah State, the head coach there. And um, terrific, terrific conversation with him and Bronco and myself uh, about mental health, uh, especially, you know, in, in terms of what everything that, that Blake has been dealing with. Um, you know, if you're, you're not familiar with his story, please tune into that episode but yeah. uh, really well, how he try to summarize it like you need to hear that from Blake. The, the, the guy you know and, and he and he kind of he kind of wears it and, and you can understand why just uh, all that he's been through and uh, i really feel for the guy but uh, he, he's putting a brave face on and um, you know really allowing him to be a, not only a better better man but you know a, a better head coach as well and in, in dealing with his team and dealing with people that are you know kind of 18 and, and to 23 and, and dealing with a whole host of issues that, that you, you probably wouldn't expect and um, you know how you uh, kind of go about that as a head coach so uh, a lot of interesting stuff on that I have another guest uh, book for next week so uh, that, that'll be a fun one but uh, it's, it's exciting uh, times as, as we get that going off and, and uh, adding to the uh, the expanding uh, D1 Ticker universe as you like to say that's right folks you can you can find all of that uh, within your own specific podcast feed you can find the rest of the video work we're doing at collegiate sports connect which is free extrapointsmb.com is where you can find extra points so some of those are free some of those are not but hopefully if you're listening this far in the podcast or somebody that, that pays for the the full thing we will be back in touch with you very soon uh with with some more stories across all of our platforms and we'll catch up with you on friday 